Wow, thank you guys so much, worship team. Ugh, could have stayed in that forever. It was so good. Yeah, give them a round of applause. They don't do it for the applause, but it's so, it's, we're just so thankful to get to linger in moments like that. Thank you. If I don't know you, my name's Nisha. I'm one of uh, the pastors here, and I'm the worship director at Living Waters. And on this rare day, I get to share and open the word with you guys. I'm really expectant for what he wants to share. Andy and the team, believe it or not, we didn't confer beforehand too much. And (laughs) I had no idea some of the songs they were going to do beforehand. But everything these guys were singing and saying today, I can't even tell you. It's like the Holy Spirit had a whole plan of what he wanted to do in us And the word that I keep hearing is anything can happen. You can do anything, God. Right? And that's just what we were singing about this whole time. So I'm so expectant. I had a message prepped uh, for the last three weeks. I knew I was going to be teaching today. And we're in Acts 10 as a church. We've been going through all of Acts and connecting with the early church, the explosion of the gospel and what that looks like, feeling and believing that it's something that's speaking to us as a community. And so I get to share about Acts 10. I had this great prepared message. (laughs) And um, last night I felt like the Lord said, I'm gonna do something different. And I was like, okay, you know I'm nervous about this. I don't wanna look stupid. Please give me what you're gonna tell me. And um, can you guys relate? I mean, come on, we're human, we wanna be prepared. And he, it really early this morning, he kind of dropped some things into my heart. So I just want to kind of share those with you and impart them. I feel like he's moving already, even in this worship time, he's already speaking things. He's already undoing places of belief in us and inviting us into more. So I'm just going to pray for myself mainly and for all of us. But Jesus, thank you that you're here. You're already working, Holy Spirit. And I ask and pray that you would wake up and open hearts to the awe and hope of our glorious King Jesus today. And that true hope, like we were singing about, anything can happen, would open the places of pain, places where maybe we haven't dared to hope in a long time. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd speak through me today whatever you want to speak personally to people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So if there's nothing else that you get from this today, I pray that it's hunger and the awe of God gets restored to you. Just the awe of who he is and how big he is. To not let the magic of being a believer be snuffed out of your life and that hope could reignite inside of your bones. That's my prayer for you today. One of my great mentors in in my life, Ken Helser always says this wonderful quote. He says, you can find God in anything and you can miss him in everything. Wow, I feel like that's so real. I loved what Andy did there at the end, just pausing. Sometimes we finally connect with God in the shower, in the car, or in pausing moments because he's always been there, but we finally get still enough to really hear him. So I've been um, in a time of suddenlies recently. And I don't know if you know that word suddenly, but in the Bible there's a lot of uh, suddenly an angel appeared before whoever, or suddenly this shout from wherever came, or suddenly. And so when we say suddenlies, we're talking about a moment where God 
broke in and did something that we were not expecting and we didn't see coming. And if anything, we had lost hope that he was going to come. And then suddenly, and I believe that this is for more than just me. I believe that this is a time of suddenlies and that he wants to tell you today that your suddenly is coming. I really honestly have been talking with so many friends and hearing in the last three weeks of God inviting families, couples, single friends into sudden shifts in their life, making radical practical risks, and just based on the Holy Spirit's voice, and then things shifting in their life tremendously, people being given land, people having babies, people moving, like things that they could not have seen happening, and I can't tell their stories for them, um, but just radical moments where we're like, and suddenly God did something, hearts being opened, and one of these suddenlies happened for me just about three weeks ago. And I kind of wrote it in the newsletter um, this week. But I was walking with a dear friend in Ashland. And we were walking in the woods. And I was just pouring out my heart to her and sharing with her some grief and just a place of pain in my life and processing it with her, processing it with the Holy Spirit. And as you guys, some of you might have been here when I spoke last time on Father's Day, but I shared some of my story and some of uh, the disappointment and the pain. And even though I got to share that testimony, it's beautiful, there's still layers of that being healed, right? That's the continuing journey of freedom. And so there was, there was something specific I was walking through with her and recognizing that there was a place in my heart that had like stopped believing in God being this incredible, awe-filled God that can do anything. And I, I recognize it because there was a part of me that's always, since I was a child, been very propelled by wonder, propelled by like curiosity, propelled by adventure. And that wonder part of me is so connected to the Holy Spirit. And I was explaining to my friend how that part of me has felt shackled or suppressed or like it, she's gone. And, and I was like, tears were coming to me and I was just like, I don't know where that part went. This last year and a half, there has been so much loss and so much grief. And I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that you guys are experiencing things too. There's like a pressing down of like, just believe a little less. Just maybe hope for a little less. Maybe life isn't actually as good as you thought. You know what I'm talking about? That agenda to like squash hope and to just be like, you know, play it safe. So in this moment, I'm walking with her, and she asked me, so there's a part of you that you're angry at. It's that wonder part, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm the one withholding that part, that wonder little part of me and that awe of God because that part feels like it cost me so much. Because to feel and believe and have faith constantly that much, then when it doesn't happen, and disappointment strikes, you're devastated, right? And so this other part of my heart, I'm just walking you through my heart sink right now, guys. It's getting real. <laughs> you guys can handle it. We love healing in this church, right? So this other part of my heart is like angrily accusing the wonder part and is like, you cost me so much. I don't want you to hope so much anymore. Like maybe just dial it down a little bit. And in that moment, my friend asks me, Praise God for friends that like are okay with your wrestle, okay with your pain. They don't try to change you or fix you or give you a scripture, but they let you grieve, right? They grieve with you. Like that's, that's part of, I think, 
one of the keys of friendship is just creating space for people to grieve because the Holy Spirit will talk to your friends in grief. I promise you. So all she did was ask me a question. She goes, so tell me that wonder part of you that you're not so sure about anymore, did that bear good fruit or bad fruit in your life? And she just let it hang there. And I was walking and I was like really thinking about it and like, like staring at the dirt. And she kind of, after some silence, was like, I'm guessing it's mixed, right? And I was like, yes, totally. I couldn't decide. Was it good? Was it bad? I was looking through my whole life trying to analyze these situations. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, it's probably good and bad, right? But was the good worth it? And I thought of all of the risks I took in my life, the moments that God like asked me to do something and he healed someone or a miracle happened or when I moved overseas and did missions or when I moved to Medford, that was literally based on Jesus' excitement wonder. I would not be here if it wasn't for that choice. All, so many things in my life, so many relationships and friendships come from that part, that awe of God and that wonder. And I believe that for so many of us, that's true. We could probably look at our lives and go, when I believed you and didn't listen to fear, that's when some good things happened. And I can also see moments where maybe I was a little naive. You know, it's, there's gray, there's mixture, where maybe I was like, God's gonna come through just like this, this way. <laughs> Exactly, and then I'm completely wrong. Sorry, is this too close to me? And then I'm completely wrong, right? Have you all been there where you thought it was gonna happen one way and it looked so different? Yeah. So those moments we have to process. So you guys, she says this to me and I literally felt like lightning had gone through this concrete part of my heart and like the heaviness fell off. It was a suddenly, it was a, I had been in this for like a year and a half and then suddenly there was a breakthrough and I felt so much lighter and it was like this little part of me that used to run the engine and navigate came back and was like, hi, I'm here again. <laughs> and I was like, what? I thought I've been in counseling and I've been doing the things and praying and worshiping and all the stuff, right? But it was a suddenly moment where the Holy Spirit just, it wasn't about all the things I did. It wasn't any of that. It was just a moment where he spoke to my heart and these two parts of my heart that were in war. And I just wanna say to you, if that's you and you have a couple parts of you that you're like, ugh, they're at war right now, like peace to your heart. And he's okay with the process and he's okay with the grief you're in. He's okay with the disappointment. And he will in time restore that hope. But you know what, it promises us, it promises us in the word that those who mourn will be comforted. So if we want to receive that comfort and that hope, mourning is a part of it. And I hate that sometimes. But there is, there's release and there's permission for that mourning. And that hope is coming. And what's so great is it wasn't something I did. It was something he did and came through for me. We can't limit ourselves without limiting God. They go hand in hand. Um, if Lucas, oh thanks, he's on it. Lucas, you rock, thank you. I was about to say, unprocessed disappointment leads to disillusionment. And I felt like the Holy Spirit, this was part of the message that I did not plan on talking about at all, but I felt like he said disillusionment, I want you to call out disillusionment. 
And I know that I, ha I was living in that a lot. Disillusionment is defined as disappointment that you feel when you realize something you thought was true wasn't. Or when you realize that something you thought was good is not as good as you believed it was. Disillusionment. You think a lot of people are disillusioned right now? In our culture? In the world? There's a war going on for your hope. We are going to need undaunted, deep-rooted, glorious hope to walk us through the times we're in. And I'm not saying that with doom and gloom, but I, like, as a sister in Christ, I want to like, prepare you. I want to like, gird up your hearts with like, this hope that is eternal, that has nothing to do with anything seen or circumstantial. I don't want us to wait until there's external pressure crashing in or breaking us or devastating us that forces us to cultivate, cultivate intimacy. Like what if we cultivated it right now? And I know for so many of us, that's, that's what we're doing our whole lives. We're cultivating intimacy. And this message is really fresh for me because I'm walking through it, another layer of it right now. So I'm not saying anything to you guys that I'm not also in. I love this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 42.3, if you want to look at it. It's talking about God and who he is, and it says, he will not crush a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not snuff out. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Another translation says, he will bring justice to all who have been wronged. I love this verse because it shows the heart of God who's so kind and so gentle that even when we're bruised, he's, he's not gonna like push us. He's not pressuring us. Like if you just would work a little harder, if you're disillusioned or disappointed, he's not pushing on you. Those reeds, this, this is actually really important context, but the reeds would grow by the river in, in Jordan. If any of you guys have been to Israel, but there's these reeds and the kids would put a, like a slot in them and they would blow through them and it would create this beautiful sound. And then they had these uh, flax candles or flax burning, I think this burning flax in the temple and then they would also use it, I believe, for like cleaning, I could be wrong on that, or ceremonial cleaning. But when the wick would get low, it would start to smell bad. So he's talking about in our life, when we stop making a sound, when our heart's so broken, we can't even make a sound anymore through that reed. When we're, our life is burning and there's like hardly even a flame left, and the only thing you smell is smoke. <laughs> like, he, he's so tender. He's so gentle in those moments. He's not like, well, if you just would wake up early and read your Bible even though you're depressed and it's really hard to wake up in the morning. That's not the heart of the Lord. And I think sometimes we're so like, if you know, we're, we feel this sh shame compounding our grief, right? We don't need that. When we're in disillusionment, the Lord wants to come and so kindly, he's not one that he would break a bruised reed. And he will blow into that tiny little spark of a flame that you have till kingdom come if that's what it takes. After that moment with my friend in the woods, I feel like I was given a reset button in my life of like, 
okay, Lord, this is like, let's do this. You can do anything. And I really feel like I'm meant to just impart that to you. And whatever it is, you know, that you need to take from this message, if there's just one line, like just take that, let him speak to you. You don't have to keep listening to me. Just go with whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in you, for real. Permission to not listen. God wants to meet you with radical hope, a perspective shift that could change your inner world the, or the way that you're approaching everything you see right now. Melissa Helser says, if the voice of the Lord formed the heavens and the earth, surely it has the ability to recreate your inner world. I love that so much. So let him speak to you today. Um, I am gonna talk about Acts 10, don't worry. It really will happen, but this, I feel like everything that I'm sharing is so highlighted in Acts 10. In that chapter, I see God coming and giving the church an installment, and it's describing a suddenly that happens for two men, for Peter and Cornelius. It's speaking an earth-shattering truth that changed, changed the game for all of us. If you guys aren't familiar with Acts 10, it's where the Gentiles get brought into the kingdom of God, like where they get to be brought into the family. It's so amazing. If you're not Jewish, you know, unless you're Jewish, that's where your and my story starts. So if you guys want to open with me, I'm just going to read part of Acts 10. And talk about this suddenly that happened. At that time, there was a Roman military officer, Cornelius. I love Cornelius. Who was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea. He was the captain of the Italian regiment, a devout man of extraordinary character who worshiped God and prayed regularly together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had an open vision and saw the angel of God appear right in front of him, calling out his name, Cornelius. And like, how crazy would that be? Just like imagine yourself in this moment, like just doing your life, you're like washing the dishes, and then boom, angel. Cornelius, startled, he was overcome with fear by the sight of the angel. He asked, what do you want, Lord? The angel said, all of your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Another translation says, a memorial offering that moved God's heart. Now, send some men to Joppa at once. Have them find a man named Simon the Rock, who is staying as a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And so after this, I'm just going to summarize the rest of the chapter so that you guys are aware of what's going on. So after this, Cornelius is like, oh my gosh, there's a message that I need to receive from Peter. So he sends his helpers, his servants, over to Joppa. It's actually called Iapa or something. I looked it up, but we call it Joppa, whatever. And, right? And these guys are on their way to Peter's house. Meanwhile, Peter is over in Joppa, and he is hungry, goes up on the roof, and starts praying to the Lord. And while he's hungry, praying, I just think it's so funny, he has this trance, uh, goes into a trance and sees a bunch of food. And the Lord rolls down this white sheet in front of him and he sees four-footed animals and birds and reptiles and crawling things. And God says, Peter, go prepare them to be eaten. And he's like, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean because by Mosaic law, like they couldn't, they couldn't eat those things, right? And this happened three times where God said, go, kill, and eat. And he's like, no, Lord. And at the end of this encounter, the Lord says, 
Peter, don't call anything that I say clean is unclean. Like this is a paradigm shift for you. I know you've been thinking this entire time that the Jews are completely separate from everyone else, but this is a moment like something new is about to happen. And so Peter then goes downstairs and the guys that Cornelius sent are there for him. And he's like, well, good thing God just told me about you because before this, in Jewish culture, it was, it was wrong to go over to a Gentile's house. It was considered unclean. And so they never, I mean, guys talk about social division. Like the, one of the most intense times people like were in sex, they weren't sex and divided, not sex, S-E-X, sorry, S-E-C-T-S. And they were like not talking to each other, not even interacting. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and I think it's hilarious because Cornelius like falls on the floor and starts worshiping him, and Peter's like, no, 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 not me. Isn't that funny? I was like, yeah, every time. Sometimes, I mean, that's us though, right? Sometimes someone gives us a profound message and we're like, you've influenced my life, and they kind of become God to us for a while. But actually, they were never meant to be. It was just the message that God was speaking to us through them, right? So then Peter, at Cornelius' house with all of Cornelius' family and friends, gives the message to the Gentiles. The first time a Jew has entered a house with a bunch of Gentiles, I mean, it was like, it was mind-blowing, you guys, what that was. And then he preached the gospel, and they were all welcomed into the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them. This was the greatest liberation of marginalized people we have recorded. I want us to like take this in for a second. And it's hands down the largest social justice movement in history because it was just the Jews and Jesus, and then it was all of the earth. It included Jews, non-Jews, black, white, Asian, Latino, every single ethnic group on the planet, the sick, the disabled, the incarcerated, the slave, the elect, the orphan, the widowed, the poor, regardless of gender, orientation, social class, or birth, and it elevated women as powerful equals alongside men, which was a huge deal, and it even dignified and rectified the status of children. Like, how amazing is that? So that is Acts 10, like, in a nutshell. Like, that's the chapter, and Drew's gonna talk more about what that did for us and what that really meant as he unpacks it. But I really wanted to highlight that this returned us all humanity to an equal playing field, and it girded the church with radical hope. Cornelius in this story really stands out to me because he was the messenger, right? He was the one that like invited the message. He got to be a part of such an incredible move of God, and he was a lover of God. I, I went and did a study on what that word means when the angel said to Cornelius, your prayers have come up like a memorial offering. Like they've touched God's heart. They've really moved God. And that word essentially like, oh, sorry. Before that, it said that he was, dev- he was devout and he prayed and worshiped the Lord. And that devout word really means a reverence motivated by awe of God and demonstrated by actions. So like what we're talking about, right? The wonder and the awe like of like anything could happen at any time, Lord. I can see you in everything, like you're in all these things. Yeah, Cornelius was a man who really moved God's heart with his prayer, with being with God, taking time with him. 
I feel, well, I believe that God wants to rekindle our hearts as lovers of him, as a glorious bride, so secure, so immovable in our love, no matter what comes. And I was processing with the Holy Spirit last night when he was kind of giving me this download, like, we're going to go a different direction, niche. And I heard him ask, so what does it mean to be a lover? And some of you might be like, lover, ooh, not super connected to that word with God. For men, it might be a little harder, I'm not sure. But it's like thinking of God as our lover. What does that look like? The word, one of the words for worship is actually proskuneo in the Greek. And it means to kiss. So I don't know about you, but there's actually lots of kissing happening throughout worship. You know, it's actually like kisses to God. Like how beautiful, his heart loves to be romanced. Lovers are present, they're attentive to the needs of the loved one. They're passionate, they listen, they're patient. They're invested, spending time with their love, listening careful to the de- carefully to the desires and dreams of their beloved, pooling all their resources and ability to lavish their beloved. And when we're a lover, we receive such deep joy just by pouring out love, don't we? If you guys have ever been in love, you're like, hello, I know, right? It's easy, it's not, it's not hard to do. It's easy to pour that love out. It's beautiful because the same word describing Cornelius's offering was used to describe another woman in Matthew 26. And if you remember, Mary came with her alabaster jar and she broke it open over Jesus and just lavished love on him. David in the Bible God considered him a man after his own heart. David thought to do something for the Lord that the Lord hadn't even thought of. David was like, God, I wanna build you a house. That was like David's idea, and David didn't get to do it in his lifetime, but that his heart was so enthralled with Jesus. Jesus before he was Jesus, right? God, the Spirit. If you wanna be someone that moves the heart of God, Let him move yours first. You can only love as much as you've been loved. That's the difference between grace versus striving, right? I find it fascinating how couples stay in love for years. And the thing that I see in couples that are really in love after a really long time is they practice being in awe of each other over and over and over. They practice like an awe, that wonder of, wow, this is who you are. I get to be with you. What? Always discovering more. Salvation is free, but intimacy is costly. We all get to be kids of the Lord but we get to choose how much intimacy we want, right? Are you guys with me? I'm kind of just like reading out things that I felt like he put on my heart, so just catch whatever is for you. Something I wanna highlight, just as I begin to wrap up here, is that awe of God is also talked about as the fear of the Lord. And some of us, like, we talk about the fear of the Lord and that word feels strange. Like, why would we fear God? But fear is that deep awe, that deep reverence, that place of, like, 
okay, as a little kid, you run and jump into your parents' arms, right? Because you know they'll catch you. You know they're stronger. And they're kind of the biggest thing in the universe. Fear of God is like that. It, it takes up all the space. It's a healthy awareness of how large he is. When God is the biggest and greatest thing in your life, essentially, he takes up all that space and then you don't have room for fear of other things. That's why fear of the Lord is so powerful. It's like fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom because you don't spend time worrying needlessly on all these other things, right? <laughs> I think it's funny because Cornelius was not just fearful, but terrified when the angel showed up to give him a message. Fear can either terrify us or clarify us. And I feel like that's so true for right now. These are some alarming times we're living in. How are we going to harness and respond to fear? There's a fine line between fear and awe. Wonder and awe open our heart to follow Jesus no matter what it looks like with like this adventurous feeling of excitement, whereas fear terrorizes, pressures, and corners us. Fear is a bully. And one of my friends, or one of my mentors says, the enemy drives, but the Lord invites. So that's when you know the difference between who's speaking to you. Are you being driven, or are you being invited? Did you guys know that fear is one of the greatest suppressors of the human immune system? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Think about that in this health deal that we're in right now, right? The healthiest thing we can do is to stay in love and to not allow fear to root. Did you also know that in your body, your nervous system connects excitement and fear kind of in the same part of your body? So you can choose which one it is. Is it gonna be excitement and adventure and like energy to propel you into something new? Or is it gonna be fear that immobilizes you, paralyzes and silences you? What would it look like to turn the sword of fear that's being pointed at you right now back at the enemy? Like there's areas in all of our lives that fear is talking. It's either muting you a little bit, muting hope, asking you not to dream so big, asking you to bury some things, or maybe it's a literal consistent fear, like don't go to the grocery store, don't do this, don't try this. Like don't make that, don't take that loan, don't make that investment. Don't try to build a house right now. The numbers are crazy. Building materials are more expensive than ever. Whatever it is for you, like there's fear. And I'm not saying that all of those things, there's wisdom, obviously. Use the fear of the Lord, wisdom. But where is the enemy pointing a sword at your back and you're being driven into something, being pressured? And where is the Lord inviting and pulling? Just as we close, I'm gonna invite Andy and the team to come back up here and just play while we pray over you guys a little bit. But I do wanna just take a moment and pray for you. If you feel like fear has been something that is like in your work environment, at home, in your family, in health, whatever, in dreaming again, if you feel like fear is being pointed at you, I feel like a holy like rising up of take that sword from the devil and point it back at him. If it's depression, if it's anxiety, like today is the day and be like no more, Lord, 
I invite the awe of God back into my heart. I invite wonder. Guys, this was me for a year and a half praying and asking the Lord, like, knowing I'm walking in health, but there's a part of me that's really damaged because I'm wounded. It's not something I chose, but I'm wounded. I was wounded on the battlefield. And I feel like there's many of us there. So if this is you, will you just like put your hands out? If you wanna just like be free from that fear, just put your hands out for a second. Jesus, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would remove the sword of fear and that as a body of Christ, we would take back any place the enemy is intimidating us, pushing us down, pressuring us, muting us, disillusioning us. And I pray for your powerful nature, Christ, the hope of glory that lives in us to rise up right now and that our inner spirit would grab that sword and use it for redemption, use it for healing in Jesus' name. And I just impart that to your heart, that love would cast out fear, that the love of God would overflow you. It all comes back to the love and the awe of God, you guys. That joyous revelation that Cornelius and Peter received that changed all of humanity forever, that filled them with a joy and a love for what they were about to go through. Listen to me. What it did not do, it did not promise them security, prosperity, or ease, but it did promise them a mysterious, undaunted, indestructible hope through whatever came. And if you're familiar with the years that came after this moment in Acts, where they were given this glorious installment of hope, they walked through so much persecution, you guys. Sometimes we live our entire lives waiting to receive an encounter or a revelation. Like when I just get there, everything's gonna be okay, right? But I wanna tell you guys, often it's the encounter or revelation you receive from the Lord that's preparing you for something that's still coming. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've written a song and been like, that's a fun song. And the Lord, it, the season comes and changes. And then I'm like, I hate this song. I don't want to believe any of these words. Like, I wrote this song so much better. You are so good, so much better than I thought you were. And I was like, God, that song's so dumb. Like, you're not so much better than I thought you were. I'm like very disappointed in life. And he was like, Nish, I gave you that song ahead of time because I knew you would need it. He's preparing you right now in intimacy. He will prepare you through intimacy what you could never get through intellect. Take that in. Let him prepare you in intimacy. If you're grieving, let him hold you. That's all you, that's all, that's where you need to be right now. He's actually a part of intimacy. He is responsible in your relationship too. Sometimes we don't know how to think of God that way because we're like, he's perfect. But you're in a relationships, meaning both of you have responsibility. So like you come to the Lord with your heart, he also has a responsibility to move in you, but he will, he will, he is. Don't be surprised if he brings someone into your life, like my friend I went on that walk with, that just shatters all of your disillusionment in a moment. You can do anything, God. I just wanna read this over you and then I want us to just close this time and worship and then for you guys to go be able to go grab your kids. It is 1120, so just be aware of that. 
but I just wanna read this over your hearts. Can we stand together just to kind of signal our bodies like I'm here, I'm, I'm present. And then please just respond however you want to. I'd love us just to worship, to let whatever the Lord wants to speak to us solidify. The awe of God ushers us into radical peace and clarity to move in great faith amidst suffering and opposition. In the midst of everything happening in our world, I believe there's a great move of God happening. It's a move to become lovers of Him above everything else, which means coming back to letting Him love us first. There's a dismantling of systems and rulers as well as any other voice that is greater in our lives than that of the Holy Spirit's. There's a resurgence of intimacy. It is here of worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. I believe that this will be a renaissance season for the church. I believe this is a unique moment in history where God's wanting to drop revelation in our hearts and prepare us for what is coming. We are gonna need it, you guys. We will need a radical returning to first love in order to walk revolutionary hope through these days. What does it look like to live in awe of God? If you haven't felt that in a long time, just remember right now a moment you felt just awe and inspired by who he was. And I pray that the supernatural hope, the hope of glory, Christ in you, would well up in your spirit today. And that you would see him coming with us suddenly. So just as we close this time with this last song, maybe ask him, God, you know, like Cornelius, what's something in my life that moves your heart? Let him love on you. Let him encourage you. He's not pointing his finger and asking you to do more. God, what is something in my life that moves your heart? How do I affect you in this relationship? And then with that, let's just bring an offering of love and worship to him. Yeah.